Well, hello, listeners of I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. Happy to have you on the show this morning. Uh, We've got a really interesting episode this week, Uh, something that's very different for us. You know, we've been kind of in that telemedicine and COVID loop for so long. Uh, We'd love to, to branch out into some different subjects, and we've got one today. Uh, really excited to introduce Jesse Naor, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Grandview Aviation. They're in the Baltimore area. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm expecting crabs uh, and, and after this uh, episode, Jesse, I'm just letting you know. Uh, so, uh, but Jesse's company, uh, why you think it's aviation, what do they do in healthcare? They really do a lot. And so let's talk about that. Jesse, welcome to I Don't Care. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about Grandview Aviation, you know, how you got into this, and talk about your link to healthcare. Sure. Yeah, so Grandview Aviation, actually, we've been in the um, organ transplant transportation business. It's a mouthful. Um, yeah. For the last uh, 10, 15, or sorry, 12 years. Um, so we started with a helicopter and we were doing um, mostly transportation locally in Maryland for the hospitals here. Um, just, you know, picking up teams, taking them to where they needed to do their recovery and then bringing them back. Um, after years of doing helicopters, our, our OPO, the Organ Procurement Organization, asked us, hey, can you please add fixed wing service? We can't find providers. It's a big problem. So we got into the fixed wing business um, and now we're up to 10 airplanes. Uh, we're growing nationally. So we're in multiple locations across the US now. Um, okay. But yeah, and we, on top of the organ travel that we do, we also do VIP transportation. Cause a, okay. lot, of, a lot of the organ flights happen at nighttime, you know, when the ORs are more available. Mm-hmm. So it's really very complimentary. We fly, you know, diplomats and dignitaries during the day and we're flying the transplant surgeons at night. So it's pretty cool. Very interesting. So, so now that you're spreading out across the country, I mean, are we talking coast to coast or what? Yeah, we have um, bases in Arizona, Chicago, we're launching in Denver this month. Um, We're really trying to create, you know, a national um, program that, you know, all hospitals can kind of call on demand as they need to. Okay. Really interesting. So I'm assuming all types of organs, right? Yeah, I think for the most part we do um, hearts because obviously your cold times for hearts are yeah. so short. So that time is just so critical getting the, um, the, the team back and forth. Um, but yeah. we also do livers, um, lungs. Occasionally there's been um, some abdominal things, but usually the cold times are so much longer for say kidneys mm-hmm. and um, other organs that it's not worth the expense of, of sure. using a private jet. So. Sure. Okay. Well, was that just, was that a, a mission for you guys or you just saw some excess capacity and thought, well, hey, this sounds like a, an interesting adjunct to our business or what? It's almost the opposite. So we really started in the medical world um, and we were asked to do the fixed wing. But then when we got a jet, we had so much demand on the VIP side that we started running out of capacity for organs. So we're kind of playing this catch up game all the time between the two, you know, <laughs> the two needs. But I, I certainly love doing the, the organ mission because it just it just means so much. You know, yeah. Of- do you have any really um kind of heart heartwarming stories about any of your uh, any of your procurements uh, that would be uh, interesting yeah. for the listeners. I mean due to HIPAA we don't really know I know them. I know but you know <laughs> but I mean you know we we've, we've seen articles before um, you know kids getting hearts you know when we do like the when we're landing on a, a children's hospital like you know 
you know, it's just such a special thing. Um, that sure. Night. Well, that, that's really cool. So um, talk a little bit about, you know, I know that you have a part 135 certificate. Tell us about what that means and how that different, uh, how that's differentiated between just a regular commercial air, aircraft. Yeah, and I think this is something that a lot of people aren't familiar with, um, in, including, you know, the transplant teams that we work with. Well, they know now, but <laughs> before that, they didn't. So commercial airlines under the federal aviation regulations, they're under a, a rule section called Part 121. Um, and private jets fly under a rule section called Part 135. Now, there's a lot of protections um, in both of those rule sets, but generally speaking, 121 is a higher standard. And it's expected that consumers of 135 travel are more educated. Um, but, and that's generally the, the FAA's perspective on why there's these two levels of rules. There's fewer passengers, um, but there's more operational flexibility to the private jet world. But as a result, if you're booking anything in this industry, you really need to understand um, mm. more nuance and complexity to aviation safety than you might if you were just booking a ticket on a commercial airline. Okay. So then are all like, you know, all helicopters like in our area, Care Flight, are they all rule 135s, I'm, I'm assuming, or what? Yeah, for the most part, um, okay. medevac helicopters fall under a special section as well, but generally they're following the 135 rules okay. with some extras thrown in there because they're doing medevac. Okay. So, so you said it provides more flexibility. How so? <laughs> well, um, Mostly regulatory flexibility for the company. So, um, man, I, that's really hard to explain. <laughs> There's so many rules. I think, you know, our, our rule book is about like this big. Sure. Um, but just basically different treatment because, um, you know, maybe pilot requirements might be lower. Um, oh, okay. Could be. Not, well, it is regulatory wise. Um, now, internally, companies have their own sets of rules and policies. Mm -hmm. But under sure. 135, there's really not a lot of minimums that are required for pilots. So you need to be more educated as a customer to understand, okay, what level of safety is this operator abiding by versus another? Because it's a little more variable in 135 okay. than it is in the airline world. Now, how, say, and I'll tell you right out, it's not going to happen. But say I would like to rent one of, our, one of your jets or, or you know, get, utilize your jet on a flight. Where could I go to say, you know, compare Grandview versus other providers? Yeah, it's tough. There's not really, um, there's a lot of companies that are trying to aggregate all of these providers into one website. I don't, we don't really have anything for that yet. Um, so really you kind of have to have someone who knows aviation and has a little bit of expertise to guide you because there's, it's not like Expedia.com where you can just go and find somebody, you know, I, I was hoping for that. I, I was hoping you could say I could go on Expedia and there you are. So I really wish there was. And, you know, unfortunately yeah. I think if you Googled private jet charter, 90% of the results you'd receive are actually brokers of aircraft. They don't even operate the aircraft. So it's, um, mm -hmm. There's not a lot of transparency. And that's one of the things that I find when I go into a hospital is I'm, I'm educating them on, okay, here's the differences in all these types of operations. Here's the difference okay. between a broker and an operator. So it's, it's quite complex. Okay. Very, very interesting. So you know, it sounds like you personally, you do a lot of work with the FAA. Talk about some of your, you know, you're involved in policy. I mean, you know, I, I've got a big time guest here tonight. So talk to me a little bit about what you're doing in that regard. 
Yeah, I think, you know, just our, our mission at Grandview, we've just realized how much misinformation and, and lack of information there is, mm -hmm. especially in the transplant world. Um, so I started kind of vocalizing, hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. And after time, I've, I've been invited to the FAA has a, a rest and duty committee um, that they're crafting new rules for. So I'm working with that committee, making suggestions, saying, okay, how should we handle crew fatigue, especially when we're talking about organ transplant flights? You know, these are so critical and they're also happening at nighttime. So how do we make sure we have the safety precautions in place, but we're also getting the mission done. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on an FAA committee for that. I also sit on the Air Charter Safety Foundation's Board of Governors and um, the National Air Transportation Association's Charter 135 committee as well. Interesting. Okay. So, so whenever you're going, say, let's just say for Grinch, you're going from Baltimore to San Francisco. Okay. And you're going to procure a heart. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what does the crew look like? Uh, approximately how many people are going on that procurement team? Yeah. Um, so I always recommend you op you fly with someone who has two pilots up front. <laughs> That's just a, a basic safety recommendation. Good rule. You always, yeah. And you, you should ask, you do need to ask. Um, but yeah, generally we'll pick up um, the procurement team at the home hospital, probably in Baltimore. Um, there's usually a perfusionist, a surgeon, a couple technicians. Um, so it's usually a group of four. Um, okay. they, they fly out, they, you know, go to the, um, the donor and they do the surgery, they mm -hmm. do the procurement and then come back. San Francisco is a tough one though, because it's so, it's so far. Um, and pilots only have a 14 hour duty day that they're allowed Ooh. to work in. Okay. So if you're, if you're doing a four hour flight, you're on the ground for four or five hours for the surgery. And then you have to fly back in four hours. You start to bump into, do we have enough legal duty time for the sure. pilots to complete it? So that one, that one's a particular challenge. That would be difficult. Yeah. Okay. Gotta ask, because my wife is one, do you have a flight attendant on board whenever you're uh, procuring? We, we don't, yeah. So we, we have, uh, it's like a seven, eight passenger jet. So okay. no, no it's self-serve. <laughs> I'm like, you know, that's a long flight. I'm gonna at least need one or two drinks, you know, to make it, so. <laughs> there, there wait, is wait, I'm actually, going, I'm actually going to do surgery, so I probably shouldn't do that, never, never yeah, mind. But we do generally see, uh, you know, some people put some things in their bags for uh, when they get home later. <laughs> that's never happened, I don't, I can't believe that. So, so okay, uh, how did you get into this field? This, I mean, it just seems, I was reading your, your bio on LinkedIn, and it just seems fascinating how you took that route because I think you've got another talent that you started studying for before you even got into this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I, I originally, you know, thought I wanted to be an opera singer when I was growing up. Um, okay. So, you know, I went down that path and I really enjoyed it. Um, but my dad was an air traffic controller for his most of his life. And yeah, and after a while, I just said, you know what, like, I think I really want to be in aviation um, so I started studying air traffic control, and then I ended up doing sales at Grandview Aviation, you know, 11, 12 years ago, and I've now grown up kind of through the ranks and went from organizing those charters in the middle of the night to now I'm the chief operating officer. So That's great. Now, are you yourself a pilot? Um, no, my husband is, and uh, I prefer that he flies, and I just hang out and have a cocktail. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so... Uh, tell us a little bit about, you, you said that you've been in uh, organ procurement transportation for 12 years. Uh, how long has the company been in existence? 12 years or longer? 
Um, yeah, I mean, they technically started in 2004. So yeah, I, I came uh, years after. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Well, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just fascinated with this because I've been in, you know, certainly involved with many uh, hospitals who have their own air service and, you know, know the real, you know, the real dangers those folks are in. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I remember we almost lost a, a, a helicopter when I was in Nebraska. Uh, they actually, unfortunately, uh, don't know if you know a lot about Nebraska, Sandhill crane migration goes right through the center of the United States. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and my, where I was located was like the Sandhill crane migration capital of the world. And so the, early one year, we, we sent our helicopter to, to one of our referral uh, uh, locations and a crane actually went through the bubble and it took a phenomenal uh, piece of flying by our uh, pilot to bring it down safely. Wow. And, uh, you know, uh, and unfortunately that, you know, that, that happens a lot more often in healthcare than people really realize. Yeah. You know, uh, any idea on, on kind of that, uh, you know, the, the, accident incident rate in your industry versus commercial industry? Yeah, and you, you know, you bring up a number of things that are um, really interesting. So sometimes hospital programs, they don't even fly under 135. Um, I think these days, most of them do, but it used to be they fell under part 91 rules, which hmm. is essentially just private flying. And there's not a lot of regulatory restrictions. In that okay. Way. Um, but these days, I believe in 2014, there was a new law passed for medevac helicopters that have a whole new slew of regulatory requirements. There has to be certain weather and terrain systems on board that provide additional protection. Um, mm -hmm. There's things like flight assessments before the helicopter goes out, the pilots have to fill out an assessment saying, am I fatigued? Is this a safe flight? Um, and that kind of arose out of a lot of accidents that were happening in the medevac field. Um, you know, back in the early 2000s. But sure. these days, I think we're seeing a lot of good improvements, which is great news. Um, but, you know, safety, just like healthcare, you know, there's always risk. You can never mitigate your risk 100%, but there's certain right. policies and things you can put in place to reduce the risk. And when you're working with an operator, it's important that you ask the questions of, okay, how are you mitigating all these risks? Because yeah. there's good operators and there's bad operators and you want to be with a good one. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of my listeners are involved on the reimbursement side. Can you talk a little bit about reimbursement of, of your services? Yeah, I, I can only say kind of hearsay because we're, we really just build the, the OP over the hospital. Okay. That we're but from what I understand, um, you know, there's a lump sum payout for, for each surgery and our bill is just kind of part of that. Okay. Payout and that's what I would expect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. So um, what's next? What are you thinking about, you know, down the road? Are, are you going to be operating drones or what? You know, just out of curiosity. I mean, there have actually been some pilot projects. Currently, we don't have any drones and we're not really involved in that. But I think there's a lot of people in the industry that are trying to figure that out, especially in city to city transport. You know, you look at Manhattan, for example, getting a heart from, you know, downtown to uptown, you know, a drone would be so much more effective than Absolutely. trying to get you know, through. So it'd be really interesting. I think the next 10, 15 years, we'll start to see some of that uh, coming up. Well, interesting. Okay. Any other, any other developments that you want to touch on uh, before, uh, before we sign off here? 
Yeah, I'm in the process. Um, you know, Grandview, we really want to be a resource for people. You know, we're, we're a commercial entity. We like to sell flights, of course, mm -hmm. but we're also trying to provide a lot of educational materials. So we're working on um, a number of guidebooks and things that, that will be free resources for transplant teams to use to do evaluations. Because again, we've just seen a lot of lack of information out there. So I'm trying to get the word out and get the education out that people need. Okay. Very good. Yeah. You know, I mean, and this is such a specialized field, obviously there's, there's not that many percentage wise hospitals that actually perform transplants. And so, you know, you've got a, you've got a fairly narrow market that you can, that you can uh, attach yourself to, but uh, uh, well, interesting, uh, Jesse, this has been really fascinating because I hadn't, hadn't really thought about, you know, a private service that does this. You know, I, you know, even though I've been doing this for a long time, not a lot in transplant hospitals. So I got to be honest, I, I wasn't as familiar about the transportation side of transplantation uh, as I probably should have been. But uh, I think what happens too is a lot of, you know, what people know is this tribal knowledge. You know, they're like, oh yeah, well they did this, so I'm going to do that. You know, that, it's, there, it's really these kind of silos of information. You know, the transplant teams are so good at the transplant and the surgery and the patients, you know, but aviation, I don't know, you know, how much thought has really been focused on it. You know, it's not on the, not on the list sometimes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so how can my listeners and viewers uh, mm -hmm. contact you uh, uh, to get, hear more about your services? Yeah, so they can go to grandviewtransplants.com um, and that's where we have a lot of free resource um, and webinars that we've done just to give you basic information on operators. Um, you can always contact us too for flights, which would be great. Um, but if nothing else, there's free resources on there and we're continuing to add that. I'd also add um, the National Aviation Transportation Association is a wonderful resource for aviation safety um, and, and just general information from a nonprofit that people can take a look at as well. Okay, great. Well, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully some of my uh, podcaster folks uh, uh, can uh, connect with you guys about about your service. So, well, Jesse, it's been a pleasure having you on. I don't care, uh, folks. This has been Jesse Nowar, the COO of Grandview Aviation over in uh, over in the Baltimore area. And so, if you uh, you know if you have any needs, give them a, give them a shout. Why not? So, with that, uh, thanks again for joining us on I don't care. Uh, you know how you know how to find us. 9.30 Central Time every Friday morning on MarketScale.com, MarketScale Radio. And soon thereafter, the episodes are always dropped on Spotify or iTunes. So I'll close the show like I always do. If you haven't subscribed yet to I Don't Care, why haven't you? So with that, I'm Kevin Stevenson. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week.